what is up, everybody? Welcome to what episode is it? It's 98. 98. We are almost at 100. Almost at 100. Almost there. Welcome to episode 98 of Overtime, which, as you know, if you've been with us, it is our podcast where we take a deeper dive into the Sunday's sermon uh, so we can understand it a bit better. We'll hear, of course, from Ben, who got to preach this last weekend, uh, and he made fun of me at the beginning. I don't know if you remember that. You <laughs> that probably was did. great. That it was, was so beautiful. A lot of people just... were laughing at that. I felt really insecure they, in that moment. At one so point, I think that they were starting to applaud. Yeah, right? yeah. No, yeah. I remember that. So it was a anyway, moment. now you get to deal with me, Ben. Thanks for that. Uh, so we're so glad to have you guys here. Ben's going to dive a bit deeper into week four. 14 yeah, of our 13 this past week 13 14, 14 this weekend so week 13 of our better series we've been at it for just about a quarter of a year yeah. now um, but before we jump into that we always give you guys a couple of announcements things we think you should know um, for the life of the church and the happenings of the church and a couple of things that we wanted to mention is that tomorrow is our first kind of it's our kind of cow we were launching it for a while on september 8th is cow but we're doing it a little differently this time uh, as many of you know last week we had our night of worship planned for uh that last wednesday evening however due to the storms we did uh, postpone that and so tomorrow we're doing the night of worship and cow all at the same time. Now it's gonna be a little different from a normal cow night. What's gonna happen is at 5.30, we're gonna have our meal. So it's $5 a head or max $25 a family, or uh, or I guess, yeah, those are the options for food. Yeah. So at 5.30 food takes place, and then at 6.30 is when the night of worship will take place. We will not have any other offerings tomorrow night. Since we're moving the worship night to tomorrow night, we've decided to push all of the cow classes, including CR, I believe. Yep, CR, uh, everything. Everything's going to be pushed off to next week, the 15th. And so tomorrow, we invite you, come out, join us for what's going to be a really awesome awesome night. It's a different service. We don't do a lot of these services, but really we're taking a lot of time to sing, to pray, and just to reflect on the school year and to see what God is up to. And so we invite you to that tomorrow night. Now, everything includes everything, but just to specifically point out, yes. there is no children's programming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. There is no youth programming. There's no classes. There's none of that. So some of the children, it sounded like, thought that the class would happen inside the sanctuary. Yeah. No, no, no. Ben's That's always not, refining my announcements, guys. I always <laughs> miss something. He always gets it wrong. I do, like, I do. I just got it right. I'm like, trying to learn from Ben. He, he's teaching sorry, me a new dude, thing. You, you do a great job <laughs> at communicating. Uh, so that is tomorrow night. We'd love to have you guys out. And then, of course, next week, the 15th, we're starting Cal with classes for kids, uh, students. There's some adult classes. There's some CR going on here. We just have a lot of different things. And you can actually learn everything you need to know about all of our offerings for that at clcfamily.church slash cow. But we invite you to join us tomorrow. It's going to be a really, 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 really powerful evening. We believe God's going to show up uh, and it's going to be wonderful. Then I did want to mention one other thing. We're kind of in, in a season of starting a bunch of new initiatives where at least new things are happening. Uh, we got a men's and women's ministry that are doing a lot of things throughout the week at the church, uh, you know, uh, on their own. And so we want to let you know that those things are happening. You can actually learn about that by visiting clcfamily.church slash calendar. And you can see some of the things that they, they have going on on that calendar. And mm-hmm. then, of course, I did want to mention, uh, what did I say? The men's the and faith form. The right. faith form. Yeah, last thing. Yeah, I'm always forgetting things. Thanks, that Thanks so much, Ben. Your event. <laughs> yeah, that's my event. Uh, the student ministry event. Hey, the student ministry is hosting an event called the Faith Forum. What it is, it's a space that we're trying to create to work through really important faith topics. Now, the hope is that we're giving parents and families tools so that they can have faith conversations with their young people, their teenager, their kids. And so you guys are invited to join us for that. It's going to be on September 19th, which is a Sunday, and it's going to take place right after church. You can learn more about that and sign up at clcfamily.church slash faithform, and we'll give you free lunch. So it's going to be pretty sweet. I'm going for the lunch, personally. I've thought about saying just for the lunch. <laughs> just for I don't lunch. have students to talk about. It. Yeah, but. yeah, right. Um, that's all I got. So we're going to jump into week 13 yep. of the Better Series, which Ben took it away. Can you go ahead, uh, get us sure. started. What did we cover this week? Yeah, so this week, it was week 13. We've been kind of looking at this uh, Gospel of Luke. We've been in that uh, for over a year. I think we're at, this was like week 58 of that or something like yeah. that. Um, and then in the better series, which is kind of sub-series of that, we were in week 13. So kind mm-hmm. of what we've been doing is giving you kind of a choice, trying to pull out from Jesus's teachings, from his ministry, kind of from his life, um, two options. And really, how do we begin to live into the kingdom of God? That's kind of a, a big part of what I feel like as Luke is writing, mm-hmm. he's writing in such a way to kind of show everything that Theophilus knows. So what he's been taught 
Luke is going, hey, we see that the kingdom of God had come through the ministry. So mm -hmm. um, basically this week, the, the challenge was to put people over our pride. Mm -hmm. And basically we were looking at chapter 13 of Luke and we were in verses 10 through 21. And, and it kind of looks like two different stories initially, right? There's this one where Jesus is teaching on a Sabbath and we'll, we'll dive into it. Maybe we'll go verse by verse. Maybe we'll just kind of see where the conversation yep. goes. Um, really, it's kind of unscripted. I don't think that we got very many questions this week, but you're always welcome to email us if you have any questions. And if you're joining us live, you can go to one of our four different platforms uh, and you can ask live. So I do want to give out a shout out to Jerry. Hey, Jerry, thanks for the compliment and the encouragement, my friend. Appreciate that there. Uh, but yeah, so we were talking about this this woman who is bent over, like she's doubled over and she's not able to straighten herself. Um, and basically Jesus heals this woman and the response of the synagogue ruler or the, the pastor of that hmm. church was basically one of going, well, you shouldn't have any healings on the Sabbath. It's not a day of work. It's a day of rest. Hmm. And Jesus kind of corrects him and kind of, puts him in his place, if you will. And uh, and that's kind of the first part of what we see. And then kind of the second part is, it's verses 18 through 21, feels like a completely separate thing where it's Jesus is kind of asking, how do how do I compare? Like, how, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? And mm -hmm. it's like a mustard seed, which somebody plants in their garden or in their, their yard, um, yard lot, whatever yeah. it is, and it grows into a tree. And then also it's like a woman with um, yeast and flour, like basically puts yeast in bread and mm -hmm. it grows and becomes big. Well, and so it, it feels a little bit disconnected. However, I, from what I was trying to pull out and what I think I feel like God was speaking to me is that the way that the kingdom of God grows is small and it mm. becomes something big and magnificent. And kind of pairing those two together, I feel like that's the way that the kingdom of God grows in people's lives. So yep. not only does it grow just small in general, like this movement started with Jesus and his, you know, 12 weird disciples and like, and then grew and grew and grew to what we are part of today. Yeah. But not only that, but the kingdom of God also starts small in people's hearts and lives and continues to grow and to expand. So that's kind of a brief overview yeah. of what we looked at in, in that passage. So well, let's, yeah. uh, let's jump in because I know sure. you had a moment of candor. That's a fun word to use, right? <laughs> a moment of uh, candor where you said the first time I read this passage, yeah. I missed it. Like yeah. uh, I thought it was about this one moment, but it was about something else. And then you yeah. even use that to explain how does it kind of Jesus functions yeah. in his own ministry. Would you right. mind sharing a bit yeah, more in detail absolutely. about that? Thanks, thanks for asking that. That was something that as, as I sit down to read the passage a um, couple weeks ago, kind of new, I think it was the beginning of August mm -hmm. or something like that. I knew what passage it was. So what I try and do is I read the passage and just try and let it marinate, think on it, kind of uh, pray through it, try and think through. As I first read through this passage, um, as quickly as I read about this woman is as as quickly as I kind of dismiss her. Like mm -hmm. instead of focusing on this healing that happens and this miracle that Jesus does, I focused more on what I was calling the mic drop moment where Jesus basically is like telling his opponents like, yeah, you're hypocrites. And like, yeah, like he just like, boom. And it's like, man, that's the teaching part. That's what yeah. I, I need to focus on. And in that, as I kind of read through it a couple more times, um, I just felt like I had missed this woman hmm. and I had missed the miracle of what Jesus did, which ironically is the same exact thing that the synagogue leader did, right? Like he ignores kind of her yeah. and, and just kind of goes, hey, you shouldn't come for healing on the Sabbath. Wait a minute. This woman was just healed right in front of you hmm. and something miraculous happened and you you chose to miss it. And I think that that goes deeper to, to pride. In fact, I knew that as I, I as I started to feel like I, I was hearing from what God, what, what he would have me say, I knew that people was the right one. But that other kind of option was a little bit like, okay, do I choose policy? Because politics, the, yeah, yeah, politics. Yeah. Or do I just choose self? Like here's this leader of the synagogue who is yeah. choosing self over. But mm -hmm. I think just pride was a general umbrella that fit yeah. all of those things. Sure. So. Um, yeah, I feel like I very much missed it. And even 
in reading the passage altogether, I tried to pose that question to everybody on Sunday of going, hey, what do you see in that? What do you mm-hmm. what do you think that God is teaching through this passage? Um, one, because I think that all of us listening that hear this, man, God wants to speak to you through your Bible reading. So mm-hmm. it's not just a something, something that happens on a Sunday morning, but man, every single day that you open scripture, God has something to say. So asking yourself, what is God teaching? What is he saying in that? Asking yourself some reflective questions, I think is hugely beneficial. But then also my curiosity was going, how many of you maybe like me missed out on that woman initially? Yeah. Where you just kind of, again, maybe focused on the mic drop moment or, it, you know, this Jesus has this awesome time where he tells his opponents or his opposition that, or adversaries, I think was the word, but it, yeah. to, that word adversaries means to lie in opposition. So yeah. Jesus tells them off and you're like, oh, yeah, but you Go miss that first part. And yeah. then he says something about like mustard seed and yeast and yeah. strange, like... So I just was curious in that to see how many of you did. I, I talked to a couple of you after. I know that some were like, yeah, I picked up on that right away, kind of looking at this woman. And some were like, dude, I missed it too. I wasn't even thinking about her. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you want to talk a little? Because I'm sure um, I appreciate you kind of talking about how Jesus saw her and how it's, yeah. even, even that moment significant because there could be a bunch of other people who need healing, you know, a bunch of other ailments in, you yeah. know, this time that, you know, modern medicine could not fix. Yeah. Um, or, you know, just it, it, people weren't all getting healed, but Jesus right. healed a lot. But all that to say, um, can you speak a little bit about the moment and how Jesus almost models his yeah. ministry or at least models for us what ministry looks like to see people and yeah. then not just to see them, but to actually do something about sure. that. That was, um, and I don't want to jump too far. No, ahead, no, no. So, so, so you're good. So I uh, just want to see the, uh, the verse. Uh, it's verse 12. Your notes look so pretty, man. Yeah. I, I, what I do That's is I nice write a notes. commentary, Yeah, <laughs> my own commentary. And then I generally never look at them, but yeah. I try and underline the things that I need to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was verse 12 when it says, when Jesus saw her, he mm. called her over and said, woman, you are freed from your disability. And 13 says, and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. So mm. what's interesting in this is that, man, there's so much, and, and this might be a little bit of a repeat of what we talked about on Sunday. We always encourage you to listen to that first um, so that hopefully this is kind of the secondary part of that. But there is usually some just kind of as as we talk about it, I have to kind of acknowledge at least this part. And so what was so beautiful in this is that just the fact that Jesus saw her and that word for see means to perceive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, the Greek word means to perceive or to attend to or to mm-hmm. see. And it's so beautiful that Jesus sees her like unlike some of the other miracles that we've already looked at, like the four friends bringing their uh, their paralyzed friend, right? Like, mm-hmm. and like ripping apart the roof and lowering him down. Like that was something where Jesus didn't have to work very hard to see her, happen, to yeah. see him, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it's probably annoying. There's lots of scratching on the roof and you're like, what is that debris <laughs> yeah. falling down? Like, and then all of a sudden this man is lowered down. Or the woman with the issue of blood where she presses in through the crowd and she just thinks if I can just touch the hem of his garment, man, I'll Mm -hmm. be healed. Like this one was different. This one is just a woman who for 18 years had lived with this, this disability. And and it wasn't just a physical one. There was a spiritual part of that too. And I I don't know if I'll fully understand. Maybe we'll circle back to that, but there's this physical and spiritual kind of need that is represented in this woman. And Jesus, I don't know if it's as he was teaching, maybe he was finished teaching, Hmm. not really sure, but Jesus sees her and doesn't just kind of dismiss it away. I think that that's probably the challenge that I I have all the time that we as maybe a culture do is that we tend to see people, but we just kind of go, well, that's just their plight. Yeah. And we can right? make judgments about it too, yeah. not knowing their story. Yeah, yeah especially, yeah. I mean, uh, let's be honest. If we see somebody homeless, mm-hmm. one of the thoughts that we might have, and we may never say this out loud, but it, well, if they just worked harder, yeah. right? Like, and the reality is, is that that's not necessarily the case. Maybe, maybe, maybe that is the case for some, but even that, why are we in a position that we, we would judge? Mm-hmm. Like we should see them as an individual and see what it is their physical or their spiritual needs. And if there's something that we can do to help to see them, to perceive them, to, um, to attend to them, this is what Jesus modeled in his ministry. He came yeah. for people. Like as we talked towards the end, kind of the main point was that like Jesus's kingdom had been established as he arrived on this earth, yeah. right? Yeah. His ministry starts, he, 
the kingdom, God's kingdom had come the day that he showed up here on this earth. Mm -hmm. And from there, it had slowly and continuously been building and building and building. But the reason why Jesus came was not to just go, yeah, I've got a pretty awesome kingdom. Like, no, his his kingdom was to set free the oppressed. Mm -hmm. His kingdom was to set upright those who couldn't upright themselves yeah. talking about our sin nature like mm. that's why jesus came it was for people so that's kind of our challenge in that is that how do we live the way that jesus did how do we live into the kingdom well then we need to choose people over our pride sure yeah so i appreciate you even saying that again choosing people over our pride because uh could you talk i know you made yeah. reference to some of the social and cultural implications sure. of his actually Touching, healing yeah, this yeah. person both the religious implications of like the sabbath and what all that not yeah. Which we can get to in a minute, but sure. also just the social and cultural implications of touching her yeah. to heal her. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and how that models for us a ministry yeah. of people sure. over pride? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. some of what he did Absolutely. very would very violate much. any pride that yeah. one would have. Right. So right. Well, so what we know is from the Levitical law that we read, and this is kind of a big part of why even the the teachers uh, or the leader of the synagogue is going, hey, you shouldn't heal on the Sabbath mm -hmm. because God had set that up. Like it, the Sabbath was was for us to be able to, us, it's really for, for the Jewish people. And then ultimately we're kind of grafted in that. But it was for the Jewish people to have a day where they could pause. They could not labor. They didn't have to work. And any, mm -hmm. even in that, they could recognize that God was still sovereign, yeah. that he was in control. And so what was supposed to be a blessing ultimately becomes a burden as the the leaders of the, the law, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious folk of that time add to the laws of Jesus. And then they add laws to the laws that they made and then even laws to the laws to the laws. Mm -hmm. So it, it starts down this path where there was a ton of different laws that were ordained by God that were good. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. So it's the laws pointed to the need of a savior. Jesus was that savior that mm -hmm. we needed. And so the teachers of that day, the religious people, would not actually come into physical contact with specifically a woman because of some of the Levitical laws that talk about blood. If you touch something that's that's bleeding, mm -hmm. they, you would become unclean. So the responsibility was, well, if I want to be able to participate in the Sabbath, if I want to be able to participate in worship at the temple, then I need to stay clean. I need to stay mm -hmm. pure. I need to be ritually cleansed and not do any of those things. So it was common practice for teachers to not touch any woman ever, mm -hmm. right? Like just in case it was their time in the month. And I don't mean to be crude, but like just in case they mm -hmm. would become ceremonially unclean. Yeah. And so as Jesus touches this woman, what he does is he's actually showing compassion because what we know is that Jesus didn't need to touch her to heal her. Mm -hmm. Like his words were just good enough. Yep. But what he does is he shows compassion in that. He shows care. He shows concern. It's not just, hey, I see you, but it's I see you and I love you. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I heard one one pastor kind of refer to uh, like he gives a hug. And while we don't see that necessarily in scripture, man, can't you just picture Jesus giving this yeah. woman a hug? Like as she stands up straight in her joy, she starts yeah. glorifying God and there's this big embrace and then she continues to glorify God. There's this huge smile on Jesus. I don't yeah. know. That's at least how I picture it. Like, and and they are just celebrating what God has done. So, so Jesus really goes up to this woman who is just there, right? She's kind of a, a good lady that's showing up at church. She's got this disabling spirit or this uh, handicap for 18 years. She's bent over. She's at church. She doesn't go to see Jesus as far as we know. His notoriety, maybe she, I, I don't know. We're speculating. But what it says is that Jesus saw her. Yeah. And presumably he went to her. He healed her. And he engaged in her world. I think that that, as we tie it into our application of how do we do that, I think that that's a big part of being able to engage in another's world. Mm -hmm. That it's not just, okay, I'm going to be here. And if you want something, you can just come to me. But you're present. You're fully present. You can see the physical. You can see the spiritual. And you're there with them. And I think the pushback on that is that that can be really scary in the sense that people's lives are messy. Yeah. Your life is messy. I know that because my life is messy, yeah. right? Like people's lives are messy, but Jesus was not afraid to get into the mess with them and to do life with them. So I think that that becomes the application for us of going, 
man, Jesus was willing to engage, to, to physically touch when, man, culturally, maybe he shouldn't because yeah. maybe he, it's Sabbath and who knows, maybe he could be unclean ceremonially. Yeah. And then he's not supposed to be in the tabernacle yeah. or in the synagogue. I'm not tabernacle, but he's not supposed to be there because he, he hasn't done everything right. And he's not following the Levitical law. And, yeah. and that was established by God. And so that's important. Yeah. But Jesus was even kind of showing that caring for people and people were even above the law that he established. It wasn't that we just follow the law because what we know is that salvation doesn't come through the law. Salvation comes through Jesus and ultimately the work that he did on the cross. And so it's this interesting place between the law and Jesus dying Mm -hmm. on the cross that there's this tension because it's not about the law. Jesus understands that. He's the fulfillment of the law. So he's going, yeah, those Sabbath rules don't really apply to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know it's it's an honor and shame culture. So in some ways, like he would have brought a lot of Shame sure. on himself, which would you say to choose people over pride requires sacrifice? Absolutely. Yeah. Would you want anything else to say to that? Or is that kind of just an obvious I, point? I feel like it is pretty obvious. Yeah. Like it, 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 it takes work to yeah. do that. Like, and I feel like many times as I look at my life and I choose whether I'm, you know, am I going to be grace filled? Am I going to be loving? Am I going to be compassionate? Um, what I recognize is that there's a connection to that and my margin, mm-hmm. right? Like if I'm stressed out, if I've got 18 million things to do, or I feel like I've got to do this, this, and this, then usually that means I don't leave time for compassion. Yeah. And I don't yeah. leave time to to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so there's this very much a link between margin and being able to be the hands and feet. So I would say that there is a huge sacrifice required mm-hmm. Needed, and I think that maybe I just took that a little bit di- different direction because that's me specifically. Yeah. I recognize margin, but that that requires sacrifice. Like, so what what am I willing to give up hmm. in order to be compassionate and to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Like, for example, how many times have you maybe driven past someone who's on, maybe on the road, and and maybe this is different for for women than for me, but like I've driven by people that are just walking down the road in our neighborhood in this area. Mm-hmm. You don't get very many places by walking, right? Like generally everyone has a car in this area because nothing's super close, right? So if I'm driving to work and I'm going, okay, I've got a meeting in five minutes that happens, I'm a lot less prone to pull over and go, hey, is everything okay? Did you need a ride? Like, can I help in some way? Versus if I don't have a meeting in five minutes, I'm more inclined to do that. So sacrifices... I think sacrifice is very much an important part. I th- I've probably over answered that question because I yeah, think I it was a simple one to go. Yeah, sacrifice is definitely a part of that. I think it's good to see an example too because I think sometimes you're like, yeah, like I sacrifice a lot, or I, you know, yeah. I sac- but do we sacrifice time, money, like yeah, energy? It, it can be costly in some ways, but yeah. that's what Christ and, is modeling here. And I think that the the story of the Good Samaritan is a beautiful example mm. of that. It it cost him resources. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just okay, let me give my time. But it was, no, he paid, I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was like a full day's wage. Yeah. And he says, basically, if there's more cost, I'll be back to settle up. Yeah. Like, so I think that that's important. It's not just, let me give of my time, but let me give of my resources. And even just let me give of my ability to be present and to to clean his wounds yeah. uh, is another example of, of that Good Samaritan. So, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, moving on. Uh, so in this story, we find out the, that the religious people of the day are wrong. And I always think maybe we should put ourselves in the shoes of the religious people just to see if we're getting it wrong. So if you had to make a comment or first uh, talk a bit about what their response was, yeah. but then talk about how Jesus kind of not undermined, but turned uh, turned ministry upside down in yeah. that way and gave people a new picture for sure. how to be perhaps religious, for lack of a better sure. word. So, so basically it goes back to this. The Levitical law is that the Sabbath you're not supposed to work on. Again, it was supposed to be something that was a blessing for God's people, but yeah. it turned into a burden as the religious teachers add more to it and more to it. And in, in chapter 8 of Luke, I think it's 8.15, Jesus has already talked. So we're in Luke 13 as we talk about this story. Jesus has kind of already talked in a Sabbath and talked about how uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees add to the law so that they make it impossible for mm-hmm. people to to kind of come to Christ, right? Like to, to come to know him. I'm mm-hmm. kind of paraphrasing that. But it's 815. I'm pretty sure that you can look at that. Or was that the soil? 
No, I might be getting that confused. Somewhere okay. in there. Yeah. It's somewhere <laughs> in Luke where Jesus talks about like they're adding to it. Maybe that's 11. It's 11 somewhere. Um, I'm sure I have it in my notes somewhere, but it's, it's chapter 11. So uh, Jesus says that. So basically what I think we have to see, and this was, again, I, I struggled with, okay, what word do we use for, we have to choose people because that's pretty evident from this text. Hmm. But then what's that other word? Policy, because... Well, policy was kind of the Levitical law, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so they were following the law. But I think it goes so much deeper than that, yeah. even in the sense that what you see is that the, the, the synagogue ruler, went, once Jesus kind of calls out his hypocrisy, there's no, at least in the text, there's no reference to him asking for forgiveness. There's no admitting of being wrong. Yeah. It, it's more of... This is the opposition that Jesus had been facing and I think continues to face by the religious elite that really had a way of doing things that they didn't want Jesus to, to mess up. Yeah. Right. So their way of doing things was this. And that's even, I think, part of why this leader of the synagogue doesn't address Jesus as the issue. Like, hey, heal. You need to come for healing on the days outside of Sabbath. Yeah. He doesn't say that to Jesus. He says that to the people. Hmm. And so it's interesting there that it's probably pride because I, want, I wonder what that conversation would have looked like if he had pulled Jesus aside later hmm. and go, going, hey, Jesus, doing, I, I'm kind of curious. Like, yeah. that's not following the Sabbath. And I'm sure that Jesus would have responded <laughs> in a very different way yeah. rather than kind of publicly humiliation. But it was in response to their public put down yeah. of it. So uh, I feel like I'm, I got caught a little bit in my thought. So your question is, is how they responded to that, right? Yeah. And, and I guess, um, how, how that would, I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah. It was a great question. By yeah, the way. I'm good, sure, yeah, good I'm sure it was awesome. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah. How their response, um, uh, highlights, gosh, I am drawing a blank. We're professionals at this guys. Yeah, we, we do this all the time. Um, Regarding their response and then how uh, I'm just so distracted by the fact that I can't remember what it is now. So, welcome to overtime. So, um, yeah, I'm trying yeah, to jog my memory was, here. I'm so, sorry. it was, I think it was in the lines of response to where or why, why oh, that was wrong. Yeah, yeah. How, how, sorry, this is a, uh, see, I knew I'd get it. How this, so they responded, hey, Sabbath, you're disobeying yeah. it. But what Jesus is doing is flipping ministry right. upside down. Right. And he's saying, it's not what you thought it was. Right. This is the way right. type thing. So could you highlight what Christ is teaching us yeah. in this, even interaction with these religious leaders? Because we should yeah. put ourselves in the shoes of the religious people sometimes right. just so we don't get it wrong. So, yeah. And it's interesting because I feel like I was in the shoes of the religious leader as in I miss this woman initially. Yeah. So, yeah. So Jesus then kind of gives this illustration um, where it was very common practice that on the Sabbath, even though technically it would be considered work to bring your livestock, to bring your cattle, your mm -hmm. ox, your donkey, like to lead them to water, that would be considered work. Yeah. And there was 39 different laws in uh, I forget what they called the text, but it was the text of that day that there were 39 very specific things that they were not allowed to do. And one of them was walking, I think it was to 2,000 feet, 3,000 feet, or it was 2,000 yards or 3,000. So specific. It was, yeah, it was a very specific number of what you were or weren't allowed to do. Yeah. In fact, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but there's certain ovens that have a, a Sabbath setting. Really? Yeah. I, I found this out by accident with one of the first houses that I lived in when I came to the Pennsylvania area. Hmm. Basically, you set the temperature, you hold a certain button, and it locks it on that to where it just stays that temperature until you take it out of Sabbath mode. And the first time I did it, I thought I broke the oven. I had no idea how I had done it. And it was, it was just on, and it said SAB, and I'm like... Man, it's supposed to tell me what time it is, That's but it didn't. So funny. But but that was, I mean, even now, like Jews are not allowed to use technology on the Sabbath, mm -hmm. right? Like there, there's very specific laws because over time, again, the the rules that Jesus had established had rules on top of and rules on yeah. top of and rules on top of. I heard this example of <laughs> somebody had said that uh, the Jews in Israel weren't allowed to go to a certain place in at the uh, the wall in Israel because doing so violated the no technology rule in Israel because a camera light would turn on so it was like motion censored and so this 
high priest or I don't even know, some priest or, or whatever said, hey, you're not allowed to come to this area on the most holy of days because doing so turns on the technology and therefore you're in violation of Sabbath. Like it's kind of a crazy, crazy that. idea that they added two things. But yeah. but Jesus goes, okay, so this is common practice for you to bring your ox or your donkey, your mm -hmm. cattle to get water and no one thinks it's wrong. And probably the reason why is because because it's compassionate, yeah. it's caring, like to give your animal water, like you would want to do that, you mm -hmm. should do that. Maybe you could argue, maybe you should prepare the water, like put it there the night before. Sure, sure, maybe, but nobody would, would think twice about somebody breaking Sabbath, even though they didn't consider that breaking Sabbath to do that. And Jesus just points out like, you guys are hypocrites, yeah. meaning that you're acting like that. That word hypocrite, as Gary talked about a couple of weeks ago, kind of gives the idea of a Greek stage, like where you are wearing a mask and you're not living up to what you're saying. It's you're saying one thing, but living another way. Yeah. And so he goes, you're hypocrites. If in, in essence, I'm paraphrasing, like Jesus is going, if your donkey and your cattle, if your livestock deserves compassion, how much more should this daughter of Abraham, yeah. how much more should this woman on the Sabbath be healed? And yeah. so Jesus is really pointing out the era of their, their lack of compassion, mm -hmm. their lack of care and their lack of concern. And he's going, hey, this, this is a daughter of Abraham. This, yeah. is, this is a person made in the image of God. Yeah. You do this for your animals, which aren't in, made in the image of God. And it's compassionate, but you won't do this. And so it really yeah. did. It was a mic drop moment because it silenced the opposition. It silenced yeah. the opponents. They had nothing to say to that because right. it was true. Yeah, he's right. Which, ironically, though, this is this is what created anger in the religious elite, right? This is ultimately mm -hmm. why they wanted to crucify Jesus. Because Jesus would say things that were truthful and it would mess up the way that w their system was set up. And they were going, no, 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 no. We like our system. We like our way of doing things. Yeah. We like our policy. We like this. We like, they probably wouldn't recognize it or identify it. Mm -hmm. We like our pride rather than choosing people. And so Jesus just kind of points it out going, yeah. hey, you're compassionate towards animals and not towards people. Yeah. That's backwards yeah it's interesting because the story highlights the two the two paradigms we're looking at is that yeah to respond to pride is exactly what the religious people were doing right, right. and then to respond uh to for people obviously is what jesus models to the point of even bringing shame upon himself and in some ways disgraced yeah. from the religious leaders and the people who followed the religious leaders. So it's a pretty risky move, which as you highlighted, were probably most definitely components that got him killed by the yeah. religious leaders right. of the day. So um, now let's transition a little bit here. So we have sure. this story of what's happening and then Jesus does what Jesus does and he starts talking and teaching and kind of making this a teaching moment, which yeah. I feel like is what any good parent would do. Take a very difficult situation yeah. and say, let's learn from this, everybody. Yeah. And of course, now we have it in scripture to, to learn from. So can you talk a bit about this transition or unless, is there anything else you want to say regarding the first half here? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I feel like I'm sure that there always is. But sure. Yeah, I think that that's good. So okay. we... I was just curious, because um, I know I'm, I'm a chatterbox. But anyway, uh, so yeah, making this transition, he has this interaction with this woman and heals her. Yeah. And a lot of people are looking, including the religious leaders. And then from there, after this interaction with the religious leaders, he now kind of shifts gears and has this teaching moment. Yeah. Could you could you help us bridge the gap? Because sometimes I think we're tempted to like, if a chapter ends or if a passage ends, we're like, this is separate. But yeah. actually when they wrote scripture, it was all one thing. Right. Right. So could you highlight the connection between these two? Yeah, and I'm, to be completely honest, I'm not entirely sure because we, in all of my commentaries, nobody really knows. Like obviously what Christian just said is accurate. Like when they first wrote scripture, as Luke wrote this, he intentionally put what we know as verse 17 right next uh, I mean right before yeah right before, before 18, 18 like <laughs> but he didn't go okay verse 17 and verse 18 he put those there together yeah. for a reason now in most Bibles you'll see a he uh, a different heading yep. um, so it's 
I don't fully know. Like there was nothing that said that this was at another time, a different opportunity. Like, yeah. but who knows? This is how Luke recorded it, and he intentionally recorded it there right after this point. Yeah. And so he goes into this teaching about the mustard seed, and it's the smallest, like it's the tiniest seed ever. I think I mentioned this on Sunday. It's like twenty thousand equals one ounce. Like twenty thousand yeah. mustard seeds. Like That's almost lot. weighs an ounce. Like, and he talks about this one mustard seed that can grow into. It's technically considered a bush and not a tree. Okay. I'm not sure if there's any significance or why, but Jesus says a tree, maybe even to give us a better understanding of how big it, yeah, it grows. Size, yeah. um, but in one season, I've read that it can grow between 10 to 15 feet in one season. That's like. Insane. So Jesus is obviously illustrating, here's something so small and so insignificant mm -hmm. that can grow into something large. And in this, it says, and the birds of the air can rest in it. We'll come back to that in a, in a second because there is kind of a, I didn't get to this on Sunday at all, but there is kind of a, a possible second meaning. And I'm not really sure if, if it's that or, or not, but we'll sure. get to that. And then he also says kind of this, this bread. So... Um, uh, it's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. So leavened is basically yeast. So she puts in, and it's, again, this whole idea that things start small mm -hmm. and they grow big. Yeah. Like in the kingdom of God in general, how do we understand that the kingdom of God always works the same way? It starts small and it grows big. And and for me, as I was kind of reading these together, it, it feels like the application was going because I struggled a little bit at that mm -hmm. at first of going, okay, here's a story that it feels like that could be on its own. Yeah. But how do I, what is this, these four yeah, verses? Like yeah. there seems to be a disconnect. And for me, my interpretation or what I believe to be true. And um, I know that there's several people here that do a pretty intense study of scripture. So if you've got a different interpretation, I would love to discuss it and yeah. hear from you. So um, LK, especially if you've got any thoughts, man, let me, let me know your thoughts. Um, but as we look at it, for me, as I looked at that going, okay, in general, yeah, the kingdom of God starts small mm -hmm. and grows big. But I think the way that it happens is in people. Because again, the kingdom of God came so that we could be set free, so that we could be made upright, mm -hmm. so that we could be made whole. And so if that's how the kingdom of God works, it also works that way in people's hearts and in their lives as well. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the impact that this moment would have had for this woman, think about it. For 18 years, she can't walk. She can't really move. She's not very mobile. She can't stand up. She probably hasn't like looked at anybody's face in 18 years because it's probably not eye level. Or if she did, it's kind of awkward and she's looking up and they're looking down. Like she's had a pretty tough existence for 18 years. And now all of a sudden that's gone. Now all of a sudden she's standing straight. She's standing whole. So she can see people face to face mm -hmm. for the first time in 18 years. Thinking the impact that that has on her. How does she not go through life explaining to other people that she meets for the very first time, my life was like this and now it's like this. Yeah. Like that, that carries a huge testimony. So I just feel like, man, it starts small in her. Something significant happens in her life. And then she becomes probably the greatest evangelist ever. Sure, yeah. Right? Like she just shares. And quite the story. <laughs> just out of this I got to tell you what God did. Like, it becomes amazing. And then just even further that, the impact that it has on her family because that that um, disabling spirit, that disabling word there means um, kind of overly or heavily rely on others, right? Like, so she probably has had needed help for the last 18 years. Yeah. So there's significance in that. Her family now gets to be a testimony of that, of going, well, you know, for years I had to live with my, my mom or I don't know, maybe it's my aunt or yeah. my, you know, there's this person that I was connected to that had this. But now, man, let me tell you about what happened last weekend. or Let me tell you about, and then even just the community, as the community sure. sees her and knows her as the woman that was bent over, right? Yeah. Like the woman that couldn't stand up straight. Now all of a sudden it's different. So there's an impact there. And I, I think that the way that the word of God works or the kingdom of God works in our lives is that it starts small and it continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. Yeah. So I think that it's twofold. It's definitely that's in general how the kingdom of God works, but how the kingdom of God works in our hearts and our lives as well. And yes. so in that, I would encourage you that if you were pursuing Christ and continuing to do that, don't stress out if you are not where you should be. 
right? Yeah, like, we always have that idea of, oh, I should yeah, be here. Yeah, like, but... man, I should be past this yeah. struggle or I should be past this emotion or I should be past this attitude. Mm-hmm. Man, don't stress because just if you continue to pursue God, if you continue to, to live into his kingdom, to continue to make the choice to, to pursue him, then that growth will steadily and continuously mm-hmm. happen to where one day you'll be able to look back and go, wow, yeah. I may not be where I want to be or where I think I should be, but I thank God that I'm not where I started either. Yeah. I appreciate you mentioning on that. And it's interesting that, like, I guess in the first part, he's almost giving us a picture of what it looks like to bring about the kingdom of yeah. God. Because you said at the beginning, right when Christ entered the world as a little baby, yeah. uh, that's the, the coming of that the kingdom the of Christ. Right. And so everything in the wake of that is about the kingdom of God, yeah. including this healing. And now he's saying, hey, if you want to build the kingdom of God, it'll start small. So yeah. small acts of compassion, yeah. healing, caring for people, a kind word. So I just think it's yeah. it's all very fascinating. You mentioned earlier you had a, um, that there's maybe a double meeting to yeah. the, was it the seeds? Yeah. So it's it's basically the seeds. It says the birds of the air. So let me just go ahead and read it. Um, it's verse 19. It says, uh, after Jesus says, I'll just read 18 and 19. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like and to what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air nests in its branches. Mm. If you do some study, like I feel like, I don't know, I read 10 different commentaries, maybe 12, and I feel like it was split. Half of them said that it was entirely like, good, this is only referencing the growth of the kingdom of God. And, and then half of them actually alluded to the fact that birds of the air, because what we can see in other passages that Jesus talks about is birds of the air, like uh, thinking about the soil of the heart, like birds of the air come and pick at the, the seeds that the sower had planted. Mm. And they were a negative. And so some people were saying, or some commentaries were making a point of saying, Possibly what Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom of God will continue to grow. And even in that growth, there will be some, I don't know if this this is probably harsher than what they said. There can be some evil kind of hiding within the shade Mm. that this tree or the kingdom of God plants, which is an interesting thought and concept. Specifically, there was a few commentaries that kind of talked about... um, the media's impact in specifically, uh, I was talking to one person on Sunday who their Bible, their application Bible specifically talked about uh, television evangelists and preachers and kind of the argument that you can see some, uh, to change analogy, some wolf, wolves in sheep's clothing. And maybe that's what the birds of the field are, or the birds of the air, is referring to. I decided to leave that out because it was probably more than what we needed on a Sunday morning. (laughs) It's already a heavy topic. Yeah, yeah, it creates kind of complications of going, okay, so is that negative? And to be honest, I think in my interpretation, I think that Jesus is talking about starting small and growing big. I don't think that it's necessarily this evil that Jesus is talking about. I, I, I can't help but speculate or wonder if we're trying to read too much into that, because I think Jesus did a pretty good job of just yeah. saying what he meant. And I don't, I, I, I don't want to get too, too involved in that, but I, there was some arguments of going, that's why Luke right after this rebuke of the, the church leaders, put Luke put it right there I was gonna say, after yeah. that rebuke. I was going to say in some ways it, it is warning them of, yeah. Hey, this is the right way to do it. This is how the kingdom of God will start. And yeah. there will be people like these religious leaders yeah. who will try and stifle your growth. And he even Jesus sends out the, what is it? The 72, I think, yeah. or maybe it's the 12, but he says, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. Right? So even that, the, here's two, two examples that maybe I, I, I don't, want to argue either way sure at least for sunday it was going okay i'm not going to get into that because that's really complicated try and explain it more when i I feel like the point that we're trying to make is that we have to choose people over pride but it is a very interesting thought of going okay be careful of the east of the pharisees jesus talked about that Mm -hmm. so maybe it is and again i feel like that was the the greatest argument that i i read is that luke is placing this directly after the rebuke of a religious pastor right after the synagogue leader maybe that's the connection that luke is going hey look jesus explained that even in this the shade of the the mustard uh tree or shrub whatever that in that you got to be careful because not everyone is actually 
a follower of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom of God grows so big yeah. that people that aren't actually connected to, uh, their hearts aren't connected to the kingdom of God yeah. are hiding in the shade. Sure. So could it's an interesting thought. Yeah, it's, it could have been even teaching to those who are following the Pharisees and their sure. leadership. And sure. they're watching this all unfold. And they're like, it's pretty cool he healed him. Yeah. So why can't we follow him again? Yeah. And so then he offers kind of that commentary. And that is like the celebration there is so beautiful as well yeah. because I don't think, it, and that's in 16, 17, it's... Uh, 17, as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. Mm. I think that they celebrated in part because of what they had just seen with this woman. Mm -hmm. But then I think in part that they celebrated because Jesus was lifting the burden that Sabbath had become and saying, no, 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 no. It's supposed to be a blessing yeah. and there's compassion. And so all of a sudden there's this new hope awakening. I imagine in the these people that... Maybe they're Jews. Maybe they're just kind of hearing what's going on and they came to the Sabbath or they just kind of want to see what the commotion is about. But now all of a sudden, there's they see what's happening in this woman, but they're also going, man, he also kind of put the, the religious in their place. Mm. Man, there's hope there that would be something new and exciting. So it's, it's something interesting, interesting to speculate there. Yeah, yeah. I've not ever actually never heard that. Uh, yeah, that background on that. So yeah, so that. it was it was something that I was definitely in the study, and I'm literally I feel like I would read one commentary that would say, yeah, this has nothing to do with evil, yeah. just the kingdom of God, and then the next one would say, no, this has everything to do with yeah. evil, and then I would read so two that said no, and then two that said yes, and it's like, and then it's Sunday, you're like I haven't started writing my sermon yet. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time it's like, okay, we're just. We're just going to avoid that for now. I didn't yeah. even put in my notes that we would cover it here in overtime. Yeah. But just an interesting yeah. thought of going, hey, it's possible that Jesus was maybe talking about, hey, you got to be careful of those that are even inside the church because the birds of the air may, may be symbolic of yeah. evil resting in the church. Yeah, appreciate you mentioning yeah. that. Um, I guess uh, we're getting close to the end here. Is there anything else that you're like, man, yeah. I got to hit on this. I got to talk about this. This is something that I did not get to on Sunday. Um, I feel like as I came into overtime, there was like three things. Um, I think the disabling spirit was one of them. This okay. was this was kind of the the very beginning that as Jesus, Jesus talks about this woman, um, or I should say Luke, as he writes, he says that there was a woman. Let me, let me just read it. Uh, yeah. 12, as he was teaching in the synagogue uh, on, on the Sabbath, behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. This was something that I very much had to park on of going, okay, what does that mean? So even trying to look up a lexicon of, of going disabling and spirit. So disabling kind of focuses on the handicap, focuses on the fact that they're not able to do that which they would want to to do and then spirit spirit was just literally the word for spirit like wind or breath like mm -hmm. so it, it's it's not very much in the the language that we understand much but this very much goes okay well what does that mean because luke who's a medical doctor mm -hmm. It, he is kind of used like he didn't always attach a spiritual element to when somebody had a healing or needed so how do we look at this and I, I think where I landed on that um, because there's such a, a huge rabbit hole that we can I could have chased after oh, yeah. because I mean from the time of Jesus till now people can and will argue that if if you get sick there is something spiritually attached to that mm. and I think that in in a case like this I don't disagree with that but I don't think that's always the case. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's hard to navigate and honestly it's hard for us to understand and to know when or how those situations are. Sometimes I get a cold just because my wife works at a hospital and yeah. she brings home viruses, right? Yeah. Like I don't want to say that that is a demonic attack, right? <laughs> like I don't want to do that when the reality is it's just it's, it's yeah, rhinovirus cool. yeah, that my yeah. wife brought home, right? Yeah, like, it's yeah. not that big of a deal, yeah. right? Like, so, but but there is something there to where what I think the general sense and the presence was is that as this is written, Luke writes it in the way that he does. Jesus sees kind of this spiritual, he perceives spiritually and physical, like that there's a disabling spirit. Mm. What I think that is is almost a general sense that there is 
the pervasive power in the world is is of the enemy, right? Like so, we aren't. We know that sin and sickness exists here in this world, and we also know that in heaven, sickness and disease don't happen. So almost a comparison of the two world orders, if you will, like maybe that's not the right wording, not world orders, but the the two worlds at odds yeah. with one another. Uh, that was kind of how I interpreted this of going, there was a disabling spirit. The spirit part is that in the sense that sin is prevalent in our world, that it, it has prev- invaded and perversed that which was perfect the way that god had established and ordained things sin has now entered and because of that there is this attachment of a spiritual force to that that was how i read it now to be honest i'm not sure if that's entirely accurate like i I think that i'm still trying to uh, understand that a little bit more so i feel like as i studied more and more it was like okay i've got to kind of come to a leaning because i can't spend all of my studying time on just the first two verses like (laughs) i've got to get past these two gotta cover a couple extra yeah Yeah. so i think that was because one of the things that a couple of the commentaries talked about jesus didn't call out like a demon right there's other times that it wasn't like jesus said you know he, he didn't cast out a demon all he did he said you're healed like he laid a hand on her and spoke that she was healed so there doesn't he, the demon doesn't speak like so i some commentary said well maybe it was some form of demonic oppression some form of demonic possession mm. and then others said no i don't think that was the case because jesus didn't address the demon yeah. he didn't talk to the demon like he didn't cast out the demon um because we see some examples of like uh, when uh it was a legion right yeah. like so as jesus crosses over the sea of galilee into decapolis if i remember correctly like he casts out this demon whose name is Legion because there's many of them in there into the group of pigs. The pigs jump off the cliff. Like that's a complicated story too, but we don't, we don't see any type of interaction. So in my mind, I think it was more of a general sense of the kingdom of God exists without sin, without blemish, but sin has entered the world and it's tainted and changed the broken world. Everything. It's yeah. broken everything. Yeah. So therefore, that was the way that I read it, that this wasn't the way that God had created and designed this woman to be. Yeah. And so Jesus sees her, he perceives her physical, spiritual need, and he and he decides to change that, going, we're going to change that. Now, I, I feel like theology-wise, that, that impacts because um, many of us may have a loved one who has a physical disability or or something, right? And so for us, we, it's not like we're going to go, okay, well, there's a demon attached to that. But I think that we can take comfort in the sense that that's not how God created it to be. But sin is prevalent and things happen. Like mm-hmm. it's, I don't know if you're going to find comfort, but it's it's just in the sense that it's like, one day when we get to heaven, there will be no more crying. There will be no more tears. There will be no more physical imperfections. It will be perfect the way that God created it. Mm. And that will be the fulfillment of his kingdom here on this earth. Mm. But until then, we wrestle and we struggle in this world that is tainted and broken by sin and disease and sickness. So I feel like that was a big part of going, okay, I want to try and navigate this in such a way that I don't want to kind of not talk about it but i also don't want to go so deep into it that people are yeah that it's hard to get out or people go wait so you're saying that there's a a demon attached to every sickness and disease like so what about my grandma who you know has has issues with her back is there a demon attached to that no but maybe (laughs) like (laughs) like, i I don't i don't fully understand but I, i do understand that the world, the perfect world that God created was broken as yeah. sin entered into yeah. it. And that appears to be what Jesus is, is as his kingdom shows up, he's going, no, 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 no. The kingdom of this world is defeated. Yeah. It's just my kingdom is starting slow and continuing and growing to build till the day where his kingdom is reestablished here on earth and there'll be no more tears and yeah. crying and suffering. Yeah. So that was a long kind of example. I think... To answer your question, I think that was really the only other thing that I sure. wanted to talk about. 
Um, that's a lot. That's some heavier stuff and some even more difficult stuff to stomach because yeah. sometimes when we talk about the metaphysical or angels and demons, like yeah. that's not normal uh, right. conversations that we have and shooting the breeze with someone and say, let's talk about demons and hey, angels. Hey, you, you, know? you know want to know what I want to talk about? Yeah. Demons. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about demonology. So we, know, we understand that's a yeah. bit more complicated and difficult, yeah. but I think that's, you know, the tension that we live in is trying to work through that and yeah. um, trying to figure that out. So thanks and for doing that. I think, too, that there's a lot, like, I've just been around the church world a long time so there is a lot of misconceptions too and yeah. a lot of like one of the things that i i i don't want to give the devil credit for anything right mm -hmm. like i don't want to give him credit for anything yeah. but like i think what we have to understand and realize is that christ conquered all of the kingdom of this world the kingdom of satan is is defeated christ established his kingdom and we can find comfort and solace in that. So uh, I think if you want a conversation about anything, please, you're, uh, you're welcome. Uh, I'm always up for conversation, but uh, make it biblical, right? Like, I think that that's kind of where I was trying to yeah. lead this of going, if it doesn't say it in the Bible, I'm skeptical, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you can speculate all that you want, but I want biblical proof. Like, sure. back it up scripturally. So if you sure. think demons are this or that or this, Okay, how do we see that in the Bible? Because um, just I think that that can be a very dangerous place where we begin to believe and as assume, and because somebody said it and we believe it, like back it up with scripture. Sure. sure. Anyway, that's just yeah. that's a bonus. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay, so what we've what we've worked through is the world is really really messy and broken. We live in the tension of the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But the kingdom of heaven isn't fully established. Yeah. Uh, and Christ gives us an invitation both to the religious people and the non-religious people uh, or those who aren't associated with the religious people at that time to choose people over pride. Yeah. Now, if you could look the camera in the eye and tell people, uh, hey, this is how we can do this today in our own context in the southern Chester County, Pennsylvania, kind of, you know, making the rubber meet the road type sure. thing. So what what does it look like practically if someone's yeah. like, Ben, I love what you're saying. What do I do? How do I yeah, do this? So this will be a very direct answer, but it also won't be a very direct answer. I um, love those kind of answers. The answer is whatever you can do. Hmm. I think that if you see a need and if we can truly see a need uh, or see people the way that Jesus did where we can perceive that which they need. Now, I'm not saying that you just jump in and you do it. Like sometimes that's pushy and that may not be helpful in a scenario. But yeah. specifically with the tornado and everything that hit last week, if you know somebody that needs something, do it. Like it doesn't have to be big. We don't have to think it's earth shattering. Um, like if you it's know. be a mustard seed, right? Yeah, yeah, it's small. It starts small and then it grows. Yeah. So if you know a neighbor that needs help, moving limbs. Maybe it's not even limbs from the backyard. Maybe it's sticks, right? Like yeah. all of us are going, I'm not going to move sticks out of my neighbor's yard, yeah. but maybe it's sticks, hmm. right? Like if you know that they need help, offer to help. Like uh, I would say offer because again, you don't, for insurance purposes, I know that sometimes you got to leave like limbs and sticks and sure. so that becomes complicated. But I guess my, my how the rubber meets the road is do whatever you can. Whatever's in front of you, start with that. Would you even add, even if you don't want to do it? Uh, absolutely, because yeah. most of the time you won't want to do it. Right? Yeah. Like, unless, unless you're like just coming out of your, your prayer closet and you're one-on-one -on -one <laughs> time with Jesus and you are like Jesus juiced up. I don't even know what that means, it's but like you coffee, are yeah. ready to go. Like, <laughs> I mean, I doubt that it's going to present itself in like flashing neon lights of going, this is what you can do. Sure, sure. It's if you see or think to yourself at any point, hey, I could probably help with that. Or I've got resources I could give. Like even me, I grew up in I grew up in a city, so I feel like I very easily as a as a teenager became jaded because I literally saw the people that my dad would give money to walk into a uh, a um a liquor store, right? Like yeah. I became jaded in that. Now, I don't it's not my responsibility. Like yeah. if God calls me to give money to somebody, then I just give money mm -hmm. and what they do with that is up to them and Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Not That's me. Good. So if you see a need that you can help, even if you don't feel like oh, I don't know if I want to help. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Uh, that's a hard thing to do, especially nowadays, but uh, it's really, yeah. <laughs> that's the upside down nature of God's I, kingdom. I think that even though, but 
to engage in that. I yeah. think many times we just don't engage. We say, oh, that's difficult. That's complicated. I don't know if they want help, so I just won't even ask. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, engage in that. Yeah. And engaging in that, I think, is in part the act of vision. It, it act, activates the, the next potential step. Yeah. So, even engaging maybe when you don't want to is, is yeah. that that is you sacrificing your pride in some yeah, ways. Absolutely. You're sacrificing your first choice, your first pick and all right. that stuff, which is right. very hard to do in the world we live in today. So yeah. um, any last thoughts, my friend? I don't think so. I feel like that pretty much covers it all. Okay. I just encourage you to choose people over pride. Do the little things that you can. Yeah. And I guess the, the blessing in that is that when you do see the kingdom of God in others, starting small and growing man that's exciting to see to see that that growth happen where it starts as this small mustard seed or it starts as a small batch of dough but it grows and becomes something huge Uh, there's nothing quite like it when you feel and you know that god has used you to do something incredible and and to just be able to watch god at work is pretty pretty amazing yeah you get a front row seat to to see how god's kingdom moves yeah which is a really cool thing yeah that's awesome hey really appreciate it man uh this weekend we actually finished the series yeah uh yeah yeah we finished the series this weekend pastor josh will be back so i'm sure you come out join us for services this weekend we would love to have you and once again tomorrow night 5.30, 5.30, we have dinner. 6.30, right here in the sanctuary, we have our night of prayer, and we would love for you to come to that. So that's all we got. We will see you next week. See ya. Thanks. Take care.